Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 12, we are told that since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence, but the violent, they take it by force. You might want to say the crazy ones. The ones that say, uh-uh, there's someone bigger, someone more powerful, someone greater than the situation I'm encountering, encountering right now, and we're taking it by force. In your notes, God has provided everything we need, everything we need, Amen. in order to experience abundant life. Do you believe that tonight? Yes. He's not trying to figure out what we need. He's already provided what we need. He's given us what we need. So that we can experience the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. In Christ, he's already given us all things, are your next two words, all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's already given it to us. His desire for us above all things is that we prosper and be in health. 3 John 2, that we prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. Which means physical prosperity is contingent upon soulish prosperity. This mind of ours needs to be renewed. Why? Because it's been victimized by the five physical senses. It's been dominated by the five physical senses and they want to continue their control over our lives. Look, in such a way that some people say, well, I can't say I'm healed if I'm sick. Well, Jesus said you're going to have what you say, so we got to do something to change that. I believe I receive my healing is the correct way to approach that and say, I may be sick, but I believe I receive my healing and I'm calling myself well, healed and whole by the stripes of Jesus. I'm not waiting for something to come. I believe I receive it. I believe I have it. I'm calling myself well and whole. The soul needs to be renewed to that way of thinking so that we can once again rise up spiritually. And overcome what the five senses dictate to us. Notice, God has covered... Did you get that? God wants us to prosper and be in health. Those two words. Prosper and be in health. Prosper and be in health. God has us covered. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, socially, in business. And every way we can think of. Amen. He's got you covered. Aren't you glad he has us covered? Amen. He's made provision. God doesn't wait. For the need to be there. He makes provision before the need ever comes. That's why before he put man on the earth, everything was here that he needed. Completely. It was all furnished. And all man had to do was then take care of it all. He blew it. Under point A, although God wills our success, and he does. And provisions have been made for our success. We have an enemy whose main aim and purpose is to prevent us from experiencing what God wills for us to enjoy. 
Anybody know you have an enemy out there? Who does not want us to experience what belongs to us? Even though he made provision for it all, he does not want us to walk in the reality of it. Mm -mm. He wants to keep us ignorant to it. But if we learn of it and know of it, then he wants to see to it that he prevents us from experiencing it by confusing us with his deceptive lies. Point two. What God has provided must be taken by force. The violent. This is a very rough statement. The violent. You got to get to the place where, hmm, I can't take this anymore. I'm not putting up with this anymore. The woman with the issue of blood, probably as she journeyed to find Jesus, heard in the back of her mind, in her ears, you can't do this. You're unclean. You can't go to that crowd. They're going to stone you to death. You better stay back. You can't break that law, etc., etc., etc. And she said, I've had it with you. Uh-uh. I'm going to take what belongs to me by force. I am going to touch his garment. And when I do, I will be healed. What a boldness. What a statement to rise up above all that religious tradition and just say that I'm going to take control of my own life. That's all there is to it. The violent take it by force. In Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 1, you can look these up after if I could just kind of show you what they say, tell you what they say. He said, when you come to the land, notice your first word there, first word there, they were to come to the land and then they were to possess the land and then they were, number three, dwell in the land. Notice those three words. They were to come to the land, they were to possess the land, and then they were to do what? Dwell in the land, live in that state. So it was up to them to come to the land, and under the leadership of Moses, they came to the land. But did they possess the land? No. Absolutely not, they didn't possess the land. It was theirs for the taking all they had to do was take it. Why? Because God said, I'm going to send my angel before you to drive out all the enemies when you get there. They'll be there. He didn't say they weren't going to be there. They're going to be there. But I'll drive them out. And when I drive them out, praise God, the land is yours to enjoy. Dwell in it. Well, they didn't do it. Okay, in your notes, in Exodus 23, verses 20 to 26. And once again, you can look them up later. God had a lot more for them than deliverance from slavery. They were out of slavery, but that wasn't his end game. It was to get into the promised land and experience life like they have never experienced it before. He said, when you get to that land, I'll be an enemy to your enemy, an adversary to your adversary. I will bless your bread. I will bless your water. I will take sickness away, the disease away from the midst of you. I'll fulfill the number of your days. There'll be none that cast their children before the time or be barren in the land. He said, all those things are yours for the what? Taking. But they refused to do it. He had a place of blessing for them. Your next word is. So they came to the land, but they failed to possess the land is your next word. They failed to possess the land under Moses' leadership. You see, Therefore, they couldn't experience the land. Can you imagine? That'd be like looking in the window of a donut shop. Oh, 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 oh. Don't go there, no, no. All right, at the window of a pizza shop. Oh, 
Starbucks? Whatever you like, and you're on the outside and you're looking what's on the inside. But you can't have it. You can't touch it. They looked at it. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's everything that God said it is. Oh my goodness, the grapes are so huge, it's unbelievable. The fruit, unbelievable. The houses, the wells, the, the, the trees that are planted, the fruit trees and all that. Oh my goodness, but can't touch this. You just can't touch it. <laughs> yeah, like MC Hammer, Aaron, you can't touch this. You're right. <laughs> okay. You can see it, but you can't touch it. So they saw it, but they couldn't touch it. And why? Because God didn't want them to touch it. Absolutely not. He gave it to them. No, what kept them out was... Complaining. They came to the land. They failed to possess it. They didn't experience it. The giants under point D were unbelief, fear, lack of initiative, and lack of vision. Unbelief and initiative are your words. They lacked initiative. They had fear. They were overwhelmed by the fear. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They couldn't see themselves in the land. God wants you to see yourself seated in that donut shop. He wants you to see yourself seated in that pizza shop or that steak, whatever you were, wherever you eat steak at or whatever. In other words, don't look at it as impo it's impossible to enter into it. Look at it and just say, I see myself in that place. I see myself delivered. I see myself healed. I see myself set free. I see myself victorious. I'm taking what belongs to me by force. And that force is the force of faith. See, so they lacked the vision. As a result, they couldn't enter into the promised land. Under point three, God raised up the Joshua generation. Thank God for the Joshua generation. What did it take to raise up a Joshua generation? Well, nothing too difficult. At two and a half million people, anyone 20 years and older had to die first in the wilderness. Anyone 19 and under, they had to be trained and reprogrammed. And God told Joshua, this book of the law will not depart out of your mouth. You will meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do it and when you do, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Haven't I told you, be of good courage? Be of good courage and fear not. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And so what's God doing? He is retraining him. He is programming him. He was already in faith. But he's going to train the people under him, 19 and under, under him, to walk by faith, not by sight. This is one of the major stories in all the Bible. And I'll tell you what, it brings reality. It brings the gospel to life. It enables us to experience our promised land. So under point three, God raised up the Joshua generation, a new breed of people that came to the land. They possessed the land and they experienced the blessings of the land. Now, isn't that a whole lot better? And being on the outside looking in? Absolutely. 
And in those verses there, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, you could read them over at your leisure, but that's what he said. I'm going to teach you how to teach them. I'm going to show you what to teach them. And we talked about this before in our teachings. Chapter 5 and 6 is where we got the revelation of what God taught them, what they needed to know to get into the promised land. Your enemy is defeated. You've got a covenant with God. Remember where you were, where you are, and how you got there, how God brought you out. It's a brand new day. You're not alone. He's given you the land. And then just do what he tells you to do. Those seven things he taught Joshua to tell those people to teach them, and then you'll get your promised land. And they did. Under point B, they were people of vision, able to see beyond the sense realm. If all we see is the sense realm, well, we're, we're, we're in trouble. You realize that? Andrew and I were talking about this not too long ago, riding in the car as I was taking him down to work. And we always bring up this subject constantly. He's constantly talking about going back to heaven and all that. So, but we're just talking about the miracles of Jesus, some of the miracles of Jesus. Think about this. You think about when everybody left, they were on, on their boats. Jesus sent them off, the disciples to the other side. And they got their boats. Some other ones got in their boats and they, they're off. They're sailing over to the other side of the sea. When all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking on the water, gets into the boat, and when he gets into the boat, the boat is translocated from where it's at to the shore. Not just the people. The boat to the shore. Other boats get there, they arrive, and what do they do? They see Jesus talking among the people. And they're like, how'd you get here? You weren't on a boat. You left your disciples. How'd you get here? But just, don't you love Jesus' answer? He says, you're not following me because you want something other than food? That's what he says to them. He doesn't even answer their question at all. The spiritual realm is really more real than even the natural realm. And God wants us to look beyond this natural realm and tap into it. Why? So that it can influence this realm. Then we talked about the loaves and the fishes and the 5,000 that were fed and the 12 baskets that were left over. And that's a wonderful miracle, isn't it? How can one little boy's lunch feed 5,000 men plus women and children, probably 10 to 12,000 people? How can one little boy's lunch? One commentator said he was hungry. His mom packed him a big lunch. Wow. Is that far-fetched? Really? But that's not even the highlight of it all. Because sometimes if you miss these little nuggets along the way, then they get back into the boat and they begin to sail off. And Jesus says, be mindful of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they go, it's because we didn't bring enough bread. Jesus, I'm sure he scratches as he said, you just saw me feed 5,000 people, 12,000 people with a little lunch. And you think I'm, ask, I'm saying that to you because there's no bread? You see how the human mind thinks? We're so prone to what is natural that it's hard to look beyond the natural and see things that are not seen. Faith is a substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things not seen that don't appear to the senses. Matter of fact, the Amplified says, is perceiving as fact what is not revealed to the senses. 
So when I said my daughter is healed, I was perceiving as fact what was certainly not revealed to the senses. But it materialized. And thank God, I thank God for that. Where are we at? C. People of courage. Did we do B? Did I give you those two words? Okay, the sense from. Okay, courage. Who refuse to fear, lose heart, or be discouraged. People with initiative. Possessing violent, intense, tenacious faith that refuse to turn back or quit. Did you get all those? Let me do it again. Got them all? Okay. And that's how God wants us to be. But we're not that way in the natural. It takes a boldness that rises up on the inside of us because we feed our spirit on the word of God and we get to a place like a Joshua or a Caleb and just say, you know what? I know this looks awful, it looks terrible, but the greater one lives in us. And we're going to take it by faith, by the force of faith. Under point E, they trusted God from the heart and lean not on their own understanding. Wow. You know, that's really getting out of the boat. The boat of sense knowledge, the boat of human reasoning, intellectualism and, you know, being logical. Not that we shouldn't be. But you know what? When God's word says something that is illogical, but he says, if you do what I say, even though it's illogical, I'll bring it to pass. What should we believe? Logic or him? Him. him. We should believe what he says. Well, what about this one? It's pretty neat. Anybody need to pay your taxes? Just ask for a fish. <laughs> Jesus pays his taxes by commanding fish to bring the money out of the sea and then give it to Caesar. How logical is that? It's not logical at all, is it? Think about how much there is in the bottom of the ocean. How many ships that have gone down? How much gold, silver, coins, and all that is at the bottom? And guess who knows where everyone is at? Isn't that amazing that he can get that one fish to go get whatever is necessary to pay the taxes and say, Peter, go pay the taxes. Or Judas, whoever, whoever was making the payment. But that's how it came. Under G, they refused to entertain or speak the language of the enemy. Remember the language of the enemy under Moses' leadership? We're not able. We are grasshoppers. That's what they said. We're not able. We are grasshoppers. Well, guess what? They weren't able, and they should have known they weren't able. Right? But they should have known that the God they serve is able. And see, once again, once, when you teach along these lines of faith, you get the same kind of reaction as those people did. Joshua and Caleb said, okay, hold it. Don't talk doubt. Don't talk unbelief. We're able to do it because God's on our side. He will defend us. He'll fight for us. He'll drive out all the enemies that are in the land. And he'll get us to the promised land. That's what, that's what he said he would do. And they picked up stones to stone them. Man, when you take that bold stand of faith, even in today's society and culture, and also even in the church world, you're looked at like you're out of your mind. They want to stone you. God had to manifest his glory to prevent them from stoning Joshua and Caleb, who all they said was, we're able to do it because God's on our side. 
my goodness, how horrible was that to say that they wanted to stone them? And what did God say? You know, we have it written. Can you imagine hearing him say it? Ooh, can you imagine what he said to them when he said, how long do I have to bear up with these people? How long will they defy me and provoke me? How long will they continue to speak out against me? I'm telling you, Joshua, Caleb, you're getting into the promised land. But Moses, you tell these people they will not enter the promised land. And as they have spoken in my ears, I'm doing to them. The devil's not doing it. God says, I am doing it. Would you want to fight against God? Would you want to stand against God? How important then are our words and how important is what we believe and say? It's essential. As you spoke in my ears, I will do to you. And so 20 and up, you die in the wilderness like you said. 19 and under, you're going in. But you're going to have to be reprogrammed, and we'll get that done as well. But you ten spies that told them to doubt me, you're dead. And they died by the plague. And you know the story. They ate out their tongues and mouth and their jaws. Tongues and jaws and their navel. Because they taught them to doubt. So I'd rather go hear how to live by faith than doubt. What about you? I'd rather be a teacher of faith than doubt. What about you? Amen. Point H. They remained steadfast in faith and patience. You see, and they inherited the promise. Under Joshua and Caleb, they remained steadfast. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 says, Be not slothful, be diligent. Followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Under point I, they praise God before seeing any physical manifestation of his power. Beforehand. I praise you, I'm, I'm healed. I praise you, I'm delivered. I praise you, I'm set free. We praise God for a left pulmonary artery for Andrew like all day long, constantly, continuously. Thank you that he has a left pulmonary artery. We thank you that he is whole. We thank you that it is open. It is growing. Praise you. We thanked him and thanked him and thanked him and thanked him. And in nine months, he grew one. Four, this was recorded for our benefit for us to learn from their experience and how to take what belongs to us by the force of faith. To take what belongs to us. It's almost as if you've got to sit in an atmosphere like this until something begins to bubble up on the inside of you. It starts at your toes. I think it's up to your knees by now. It's going to be coming up your thighs, your hips, and before you know it, it's going to hit your belly. And when it hits your belly, it's going to rise up. It's going to fly out of your mouth. I'm taking what belongs to me by faith. It belongs to me. It's mine. I'm not letting go. I'm holding fast my declaration of faith because I know that is what gives the Holy Ghost something to work with. Amen. Under point A, we have our part to play in attaining the benefits of the cross. Attaining is your word. None are automatically received. It would be nice. Right? Five, salvation must be received or taken by force. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation, both to the Jew and to the Greek. Amen? Amen. So if the gospel is the power of God, is your next word, that saves, 
then why can people hear it and not be saved? Because they're too double-minded. Okay. Is that your final answer? You think it is? <laughs> oh, they're too... They hear it, but they don't take it. Some have to decide, all right, they can be double-minded about, do I really want to live this life? Do I really want to serve God? And they don't take it. It's not that it wasn't given. It's not that it hasn't been provided. See, they can hear it, but even though they heard it, they're not saved. Because Romans chapter 10, and there's a bunch of verses there, but the main ones being, the word is near you, it's in your mouth and your heart, the word of faith that we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes to right standing with God, with the mouth he confesses unto salvation. Verse 13, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call upon him if they haven't heard about him? How can they hear about him unless somebody's been sent? And if someone's not sent, then they can't hear about it, they can't understand, they can't know it. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Absolutely. And the just shall live by faith. And so we've got to hear it over and over and over. Why? To replenish it. You see, we may still retain the knowledge of something, but it doesn't mean we have faith because it's not retained automatically. We can deplete our faith, our spiritual energy, just like you can lose your charge on your battery with your phone. Same thing. We've got to charge that thing back up. And that's what we're doing here tonight. Charging ourselves back up in our faith. All right. Um, one must believe, one must confess in order to activate God's saving grace. I've got to believe something. He said you've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You've got to confess something, confess his lordship over your life with your mouth. And what happens? You activate God's saving grace. What did that woman with the issue of blood do? And touch his garment. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be whole. I will touch his garment. And when I do, I will be whole. She activated the power of God by her declaration of faith. Salvation under point C in the Greek is soteria. And it means deliverance, rescue, health, and salvation. Preservation could be included in that. But the point I want to make is salvation includes healing and health. So with the heart, man believes that Jesus bore your sickness and carried your pain. With the mouth, you confess that Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pain. And when I call upon the name of the Lord for healing, I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I believe in my heart. I say with my mouth. You know, there is a synchronization that needs to take place there in all of our lives. Remember Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is really far from me. He told them. You could say it. Doesn't mean it's in your heart. Faith is of the heart released through the mouth. And that's our big challenge. Which is why he told Joshua. Meditate therein day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Why? So you can do it. He knew what it would take for, for him to be able to do it. And to teach others to do it. And so meditate day and night. Day and night. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. So look at how the scriptures always put these two together. Jesus said, if you believe in your heart, what you say with your mouth will come to pass, you'll have what you say. Including, tell that mountain to remove and it will go. Tell that tree to uproot, it will uproot. And nothing shall be impossible to you. That's the law of faith. That's how faith works. 
Healing under point six is also received by faith. In salvation, Paul first gives the facts about Jesus. He gave him the facts. Jesus is the one who died for you. He was raised for your justification. He tells them all about that. Then he tells them how to get saved, how to apply it, how to experience it in their lives. So in salvation, Paul first gives the facts about Jesus, then gives the means by which the facts become a reality. The means by which the facts become a reality. Well, how did they become a reality? The facts are that Jesus suffered, Jesus died, Jesus was raised from the dead. This is the gospel message. Well, that's the facts. Those are the facts. The reality comes when I believe this in my heart and I say this with my mouth and I'm saved. The power of God, what does it do? Recreates my spirit. I become a child of God. Well, it's the same thing in healing. Under point B, in healing, it's important to know the facts. Then apply the means by which the facts become a reality. What are the facts? Jesus bore my sickness. Jesus carried my pain. With his stripes I was healed. Those are the facts. Well, how does it become a reality? What's the means? By my faith. Like the woman with the issue of blood. By using my authority in the name of Jesus. By taking what belongs to me by force. So, confession is a key factor under point C. It is a key factor in activating the power of God. Faith has these components. You've got to hear it. You've got to believe it. And you've got to act upon it. And the primary action of faith is say it. You believe it, you hear it first, you believe it second, and then you declare it. You say it, like the woman with the issue of blood did. Matter of fact, Jesus talked about the Syrophoenician woman. The Syrophoenician woman had a daughter that was uh, demon-possessed. Goes to the disciples of the Lord for help. They basically turn her away and said, say to Jesus, she's bothering us. Jesus says, bring her to me, or she came to him. She got on her face before God and asked for mercy. And he said, it's not right for me to give the children's bread to a dog like you. You would think she would just put her tail between her legs and just run off. After him making a statement like that, she said, no, that's okay. Dogs have rights. Dogs can have crumbs. I don't want your loaf. I don't want their loaf. Give me a crumb. I'm satisfied. What did Jesus do? I really would have loved to have been there. Because you realize he's around all these doubters of his own disciples. And this woman says something of that magnitude. And he goes, oh woman, great is your faith. Whoa. Can you imagine how he responded to that when he finally saw someone act in faith? Like she did. Man, she acted in faith and he was just overwhelmed by it. Great is your faith. Same response from the Roman centurion. You want to meet him? Imagine this. You don't have to come over my house. You don't have to come under my roof. Are you kidding me? Would you want him at your house? Under your roof? Sitting on your couch with the plastic on it? I think my mother would have made an exception for him to sit on the couch with a plastic on it. You know. But he says, nah, forget it, Lord. I'm not going to bother you to go that far. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. I've got servants under me. I'm a man under authority. I tell them to go and they go. I tell them to come and they come and I tell them to do this and they do it. And Jesus marveled at what he heard. 
Wow. I've not found so great faith in all of Israel, he says. And they've got a, a, a means by which to obtain faith. But this here, centurion, he's, he's a Gentile. Oh, my goodness. Great faith. He said, man, as you believed, be it unto you. You see, he got what he said, too. They all got what they said because they believed it and they declared it to be true and it became a reality in their lives. So, the means is to declare it. It's a key factor. Confession is a key factor to activating the power of God. Seven, some facts about the Father. Because this will really undermine all the efforts of the devil to deceive people into thinking that, well, he won't answer my words. Well, yes, he will. Because you know why? Under point A, he loves his children infinitely more than we love ours. He loves you infinitely more than you or I even love our own children. Imagine that. Under point B, he wills to bless his children in this life and the life to come. Not just to come, also here and now. Under point C, his promises cover every known need in spirit, soul, and body. That's covering it all, isn't it? Under point D, his work for providing these needs have been completed. It's done. It's done. It's important to let the enemy know you're too late. You're just too late. See, I've already got a hold of it. Matter of fact, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, and I went to this, remember I, I said I went to the church when I got baptized in water and I got in all that scummy water and got baptized and yuck, but I was thrilled. And the preacher told me that you couldn't be saved if you weren't baptized in water which I wasn't going to argue with him, but I know I was saved, even though I wasn't baptized in water. But then I got baptized in water because I wanted to, just to obey God, right? Well, that same individual, when I said, uh, what's your take on being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance, like on the day of Pentecost? And as Jesus said, in my name they shall speak with new tongues. He said, well, all that means is that you won't swear anymore. I said, what? Yeah, it just means you won't swear. And I thought, well, wait a minute. That can't be true because I know a lot of Christians. <laughs> I work in the mill. <laughs> and I know they're believers. Uh-huh. So you, you can't say that's true. Well, I realized soon enough I just couldn't stay there because you can't rule out the supernatural. The church is a supernatural entity. It's not a religious organization. It is a supernatural entity. It is God among men. God living in men among men. Praise God to manifest His mighty power and glory. To save the lost, heal the sick, and set the captives free. That's what church is all about. Right? Amen. Under point F. The work's been done. It's completed. He sent Jesus to carry out His will and make healing possible. Oh, thank God. It is possible. As a matter of fact, all things are possible to him that believes. Right? We know that. Okay, well, he also said that if you say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, no doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will come to pass, you have whatever you say, and it will obey you, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Notice in what context he says nothing will be possible to you. 
Matthew 17, verse 20, what does it say? Nothing will be impossible to you. If you say to that mountain and you believe what you're saying will come to pass, nothing will be impossible to you. Now, I know we look like we might be a little bit ridiculous. My daughter's bleeding from the eye. You're healed by the stripes of Jesus. You're healed. My son, they say, has no lip pulmonary artery. You're healed. We say you have one. It's open. It's growing. It's normal. We call it open. We call it growing. We call it normal. And of course, from their perspective, and I don't in any way diminish anything they do to know what they know. They've been in school and been educated and all that, and I thank God for their expertise, right? There are just some things they don't know. When they say it's impossible for us to make a left pulmonary artery for your son, you know, I know someone who can. I know someone who can. So I'm just saying just do what you do, and I appreciate that. I will let him do. I believe, we believe, he can do what man can't do. Why limit ourselves to what man can do when we have access to the unlimited power of the Most High? Amen? You see why you got to hear this all the time? Yeah. It'll just feed your faith and feed your faith and feed your faith. Jesus, he sent Jesus to carry out his will to make healing possible. Under point F, he sent his spirit to make the work of Jesus a reality. Remember, the Holy Ghost needs something to work with. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, what do we see? Nothing is happening. The Spirit is brooding over all the creation, and it's a mess. It's an utter chaos, right? Absolutely. But then, the Word is spoken. Let there be light. And what happens? The Holy Ghost goes into action, doesn't He? He needs something to work with. He needs the Word to work with. And so when the Word is spoken, He begins to take action. And his creative powers are released. So in Romans 8, verse 31, and once again, one of the most powerful verses of Scripture on healing, if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Notice how he prefaces it. He raised Jesus from the dead, and you're still alive, and He's dwelling in you, so rigor mortis hasn't set in yet. Are you getting the point he's making? Then he that raised up this body of Christ from the dead was dead will also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. So why are we talking about all the problem when we can say, oh, thank God on the inside, the Holy Ghost raised Jesus from the dead and he's dwelling in me. So I say he's quickening my mortal body. No, thank you, Holy Ghost, for quickening my mortal body. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Under point eight, our understanding of confession can mature. Here's a situation where Orville and Wilbur Wright made history on December 17, 1903, when a motorized vehicle defied the law of gravity and flew in the air. Although scientists and mathematicians proved that flight was possible years before the event occurred, many who read the facts couldn't believe that flying would ever become a reality. Well, what is that something? It's like you're reading your Bible, reading your Bible, reading your Bible, and say, oh, that all looks good, but it's never going to be a reality. That's, that's what the others were doing. But what happened to Wilbur and Orbe Wright? They kept looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and said, well, if it's, if it's mathematically true, then it has to work. So when it became, now notice this, the Wright brothers believed the facts and mathematical, uh, mathematical uh, formulas and built the first flying machine. When it became airborne, they demonstrated that you must trust the facts 
and act on them if you want results. No one else was willing to do it. But they, they were. Okay? Also, they didn't get discouraged when their first flight only lasted a short time. They continued applying the same principles and laws, made adjustments, and got better results and longer flights. So why, in other words, be negative and say it doesn't work like so many are so prone to do and so quick to do when we should be looking at it and saying, well, it may not be working right now, but I'm going to tell them, keep looking at it, keep looking at it, keep on believing it, keep on saying it. I'm going to hold fast to it. It has to work because it's, it's Bible. It has to work. So under point B, if we want better results, we must continue. Studying the facts, make adjustments, and not get discouraged. Death and life are in the power of the foot. Oh. Uh, maybe it's the power of the ear. No. no, of all the things that God's word could say, it's in the power of the tongue and confession is made unto healing. Let's believe the facts. Ask God's help in understanding how to operate more proficiently in this law of faith. Let's believe the facts. You know what? I may not be walking in the fullness of it, but you know what? I'm going to continue on in it, continuing in it, keep looking at it, just like they did in the beginning, looking at the bird, looking at the bird, looking at the bird, looking at the bird. Man can fly, man can fly, man can fly. They put bird wings on, remember, made out of feathers and all that, jumped off of garages and trees and broke their arms and legs in an effort to try to fly like a bird did. That's called a perception that they had of it that was wrong. I mean, they understand the concept of it, you know, but, you know, man just can't flap his wings, his arms fast enough to get his body off the ground. But they kept looking at it, 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 looking at it. And as they looked at it long enough, they developed an apparatus where they can now go to the moon. So think about that. It works, doesn't it? But they didn't think it could work. Well, what about this one? And I'll close with this. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. The higher law overrides a lower law, and praise God brings dynamic results. Let's stand together before the Lord.